as you go forward this week, check it out. I'm telling you, it's true. Now, understand one thing. That when this law was made, the Persian's law could not be undone by nobody. Not even the king himself could break the law or he would be put to death himself. So they set a trap for Daniel. The enemy is out to set a trap in your life. You better believe it. Verse 12. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. And they said, well, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be, somebody say, repealed. Means taken away. Cannot be taken away. They've mentioned that two times now. They're making a point to let you know this law cannot be taken away. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, meaning he's a slave, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Somebody say amen. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. So here's the man who made the law. Now he is distressed. He realizes at this point there's been a trap set for his number one guy. And listen to the following verse. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said, Remember, O king, the law of the Medes and the Persians. No decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. That's the third time they mentioned it. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Now a stone, verse 17, was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Y'all are going to pick this up in a second. So here, Daniel's put into this lion's den. A stone is rolled over the mouth of this cave, this den, which now Daniel is cast into darkness. He was undoubtedly uh, uh, afraid at this point. All because he decided to be a man of prayer. All because he wanted to talk to God. And, and can I tell you a secret? Sometimes your prayer will get you into a dark place. Sometimes your prayer gets you into trouble. Sometimes your prayers will put you in a place where you can't handle the answer God gives you. Yet nobody ever tells you this kind of stuff that when you pray, you just might get in more trouble. God, give me patience, so he'll give, you, he'll give you issues to test your patience. God, give me faith, so he'll put you into a faithless situation, so your situation can be faithful. You follow me? Your prayer gets you into a mess. If nobody told you this, I'm not lying. Go home and try it tomorrow. Your prayer gets you into a mess. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God, teach me how to manage my money. You lose your job, now you got no money coming in. Well, manage it. God's funny. I'm telling you, he got a sense of humor. God, I want to serve you more. And he'll just give you all types of opportunities and, and you have to give up all your own plans. God does crazy things. God talk is crazy talk. But understand that all this happened because Daniel wanted to pray. Sometimes your prayers will get you into a dark place like Daniel. It was the prayer of the men who threw Jonah off the boat. Are you, you follow me? That the whale came and grabbed him up. And for three days and three nights, he stood in the belly of a whale in darkness because, because men prayed for him. Sometimes other people's prayers will get you into a mess. 
You walk up to somebody and say, pray for me. I'm struggling. I'm going to pray for you. And if you get into a mess because of my prayer, don't blame me. Because there is an answer at the end of that journey you are on. Understand like Jonah, uh, he, J- Jonah didn't want to drown. He didn't want to be in the belly of a fish. But somebody prayed for him when Jonah couldn't pray for himself. Daniel did not want to be in this dark, dismal lion's den. You think this was his goal? Well, I want to go to that lion's den. You think he woke up one morning and was just like, well, I, I guess I'll just pray and open my window and pray in public. He didn't do it in secret. He prayed in public. He was, I don't care who sees me and I, so they can take me to that lion's. I want to pet that big boy. I just, no. That was not his plan. Anybody with the right mind knows that. And so you have to understand, in the midst of the soul, we must trust God. Verse 17 tells us something. That the king placed the seal over the door. Now, the seal, at that time, they would get some type of material almost as wax, and they would place it over the crease of the door. And they would put it there, and the king would take his one ring, when his ring was different, and it had an emblem on it, an impression, he would just press it in, and it would dry up and harden. And if that was broken, somebody had tampered with the door. And so the Bible says that they did this with the king's ring and the king of the nobles, probably the nobles who had set Daniel up. Now, the end of verse 17 says, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. The enemy wants you to put you in a dark place and make you feel like your situation will never change. How many of you know that when when you get hopeless, you get hopeless? And you see no hope in sight. There's no way, God. It's the end of the world. Everything has to stop. I'm just so sad. You don't understand. And we mope and we just walk around sad. Because when the enemy tries to do it, he makes it look like your situation will never change. He's not out to get you on the now moment. He's out to get you on the forever moment. Are you with me? You follow me so far? You sure? The enemy desires that you would think your situation cannot change. He takes pleasure in you feeling hopeless. So Daniel is now in the dark, surrounded by hungry lions. Death is a definite possibility, and now it seems as if his situation cannot change. Are you with me so far? Somebody help me out here. Verse 18. The king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Has your God who you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered. That's the best part of that verse. Daniel answered. In the midst of facing death, in the midst of him being a man of prayer, in the midst of him being in a dark place, when the king called out to him, he answered. You have to get excited over the little things. That when the devil tries to take you out and God calls on you and you answer to do his will, you answer to do his purpose, you answer to do his his destiny, his design for your life, when you answer God through a dark moment, I'm telling you, you will have a moment of victory in your life. If you would just answer God right now in your life. Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and has shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. 
The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. As we go forward, the topic is prayer and trust. Prayer never stands alone. It's always found with a, 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 accompanied by a slew of Christian attributes. It isn't isolated at any moment, but rather it is constantly accompanied by these attributes and characteristics. Now, prayer and faith are inseparable, as I told you last week. So let me give you something. Prayer does the following things with faith. Faith rather does this for your prayer. Faith presents your prayers before God. Faith keeps you at peace while waiting on God's answers. Faith gives your prayers color. Somebody say amen. amen. We should pray in black and white, but your faith gives it color. Faith tones up your prayers when they look all unhealthy and just hanging around. Your faith tones them up. Somebody say amen. amen. Your faith shapes the character of your prayer and faith secures the results of your prayers. So then what do you need trust for? If faith does all that for your prayer, what is the purpose of trust? Tell your neighbor, trust the Lord. Does not faith and trust seem completely similar? Faith is a foundational and essential principle. But trust, now listen to this, trust is faith in full bloom. Trust is faith in full bloom. Trust is faith all grown up. Trust is the adult version of faith. Trust is faith because absolute, ratified, and solidified belief in God. According to the scriptures, trust is the eye of a newborn soul and it is the ear of a renewed soul. Trust is the adult, faith is the baby. Thus, Jesus said, if you would have the faith of a child, you can enter into the kingdom of heaven. That childlike faith, why? That childlike faith. Can I just give you a, a, a little more? You see, um, um, trust comes through a relationship with God. A relationship with God comes through what? Prayer. There's two keys to any relationship. Does anybody know what they are? What'd you just say? You said it. Uh-huh. That's one. What's the second one? Communication. Trust and communication build every relationship. Are you with me so far? I'm going to take you somewhere with this. Tell somebody he's going somewhere. Let, let me paint this picture. There is a certain order to things in your life. Amen. You've heard the saying, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. I don't believe in religion. Religion does not work. Jesus came to abolish religion and he came to give freedom. Man loves tradition. Jesus said that the only thing that stands stronger in the heart of a man is tradition. The word of God sometimes can't penetrate tradition. Because that's how we are as people. So let me paint this picture for you. There is a certain order of things that take place when a man meets a woman. When they first meet, they examine the outer qualities of one another. Upon looking at the exterior, they make a judgment of what might be on the interior. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've done this. Trust me, it worked. A man, I love you, baby. <clears throat> a man in his heart has faith now, listen to this, that this woman in front of him has as many qualities on the interior as the exterior. 
I can't give this from a woman's point of view because I'm not that in touch with my feminine side. She seems nice, so she might be a loving person. She's considerate, so she might be caring, which means she might be a good mother. Men, if you're not doing this, this is why you're single. And so she seems nice, she should be loving. Now the man goes down this list of qualities in his mind and determines if he has enough faith in the appearance of this woman to seek out a true relationship with her and communicate with her. You follow me? So a man sees a woman and has to take a step of faith that what he sees on the outside is just as good as what's on the inside. Now as the relationship progresses, the qualities that the man had a faith in either come out or they don't. Now, when those qualities come out, then he begins to trust the woman. First, he took a baby step of faith, but as it matured, it became trust. When's the last time you heard somebody say, well, if there's no faith in the relationship, there's no relationship? No, they say, if there's no trust. Are you with me so far? He had faith that she was honest, so now he trusts her alone. He had faith she could um, be, be real, so now he trusts her that she's honest. He had faith that she was faithful, so now he can trust her outside of his presence. As all the things he had faith in come forth, it matures into trust. And if there's no trust, there's no relationship. The reason why many times you would date somebody and leave them is because you didn't trust them. Sometimes you can communicate, but if you don't trust, it's got nothing, no, no success in sight. Now, when trust leaves the relationship, it is because of unfaithfulness, dishonesty, continued disobedience, flagrant disregard for the feelings of your significant other. And when trust is gone, the relationship is soon headed to a dark place. Many times, if you break trust in a relationship, it cannot be restored. And when you do go to restore it, you have to start by having faith. And faith grows up to become trust. Are you with me? So many sit here today and, and say, well, I, I have never known a true trust in God. Now, if you apply the above scenario, you would see why. Faith grows up to be trust. And trust is broken when you're unfaithful. So why don't you know God's trust? Because you are a sinner and unfaithful all the time. You turn your back on God when things get rough. You turn your back on the Holy Spirit when you want to do what you want to do. And you never grow a trust in God. You never grow a true, firm, undoubted, unwavering belief in God because you are unfaithful. You are just a whimsical. You go wherever the wind will blow you. You come to church this week, but not next week. You don't want to pray today, but maybe you pray tomorrow. You want to read your word today, but maybe not next week. And you just don't know what's going on in the Christian world. And you are unfaithful to God and so you would never develop a trust with God how do you develop trust by having faith how do you develop faith by having prayer I'm back at square one prayer leads to faith faith leads to trust faith is the baby why are so many of us working on our faith because we're always going to be baby Christians because we're never letting ourselves grow up and just trust God. We trust him this week. We don't have no faith next week. 
I worked some overtime. I could make it this week, but next week, I just don't know. We are always exasperated, always looking desperate, always looking ragged in our spirits. Because what? Because there's no prayer. And if you would just pray, you would develop constant faith. Constant faith leads to a secure trust. Trust and prayer are communication to God. Now, if God can trust you, you would just trust God. You would see the entire landscape of your life change. Daniel was persecuted because he was a man of prayer. You see, in turn, you constantly deal with having to have faith because you can never elevate your faith to trust. Trust is because you don't have the qualities of gaining. Trust is because we don't have the faith. Now, you would have to have the qualities of trust if you would just pray. How many of you want to have trust in God? Do, do you get what I'm saying? Is this making sense? So in any relationship, friendships, love relationships, mother, father, daughter, all that kind of stuff, if, there's no, if you can't trust somebody, there is no relationship. So why would you not take that now and portray it on God? And that if I don't trust God, there's no relationship here. If I don't have faith in God, if I'm always putting my hands in the way for God's work, what am I going to do? I'd never have a true relationship with God. Ain't nothing worse. See, can I just tell you something real quick? Everybody loves, and I don't care what you say. I'm going to tell you what you like right now. I'm just kidding. Everybody loves a little bit of jealousy. <laughs> Ada is in the building. Everybody loves a little bit of jealousy in their mate. Now, if they're not jealous, you would say, well, why not? What am I doing? You're not attracted to me no more? You don't love me no more? You don't care about me? I don't turn you on no more? I don't do anything for you no more? You don't want to do anything with me? Are you ashamed of me? I'll go out with you late. I don't care. Nobody has to see us together. This is what's wrong. You get too jealous? Back up off me. Leave me alone. You're calling every five minutes. Where are you at? What are you doing? I checked the miles in the car. You ain't just go to the grocery store. Where'd you go? You were took too long in the bathroom. That's not all you ate. Where'd you go to dinner at? Who was he? Is he big? <laughs> is he cute? What is it? Tell me. Is he tall? Is he coming back? You get what I'm saying? And so if you would just have a trust in God, and you would get jealous of God in a sense of jealous for God, David said zeal for your house consumes me. Zeal in English is the Greek word for jealous. He said jealousy consumes me because I don't want nobody loving you like I do, Lord. I don't want nobody loving you like I can, Lord. You're my God. Zeal for your house consumes me. And his jealousy built a relationship of trust with God. We must have a trust in God for without trust there is no relationship. Faith is alone is for the baby Christians. But trust is birthed through faith. And it is for the maturing Christians. Everybody likes for someone to be jealous for them. God likes it too. God likes the attention you would give him. You following me today? It's not religion. It's relationship. Faith and trust in God. 
Isaiah 26.4. Trust creates a strong relationship with God. Amen. Now, in the spiritual communication is prayer. Trust is faith. Faith is trust. So Isaiah 26 says this, the fourth verse. Trust ye in the Lord forever. You better get excited when I read this because you have to understand what I'm For in the Lord Jehovah, Jehovah meaning my provider, meaning my, my everything. Jehovah is a word that, that pre- predicates so many things. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rasta, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah. There's a lot of different Jehovahs. It's the title of God. When God said to, to Moses, Moses said, who shall I say sent me? When God sent him to Pharaoh and he said, just tell him I am. Now, you read that and get a little excited because you don't understand what that really means. I am. You are what? Anything you need. I am your provider. I am your healer. I am your mercy. I am your sacrifice. I am your way to heaven. I am. I am. He's everything. God really hit it on the nail when he did that. He's kind of smart, I think. He just really just, I am. You are what? Everything. Amen? And so... Trust in the Lord for um trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. The New International Version says, He is a rock for you to stand on. Oh, that's exciting. Everlasting, meaning without no end. That when I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm feeling tired, he's strong. When I'm feeling like giving up, he's going strong. When I feel like anything, if I would just tap into that trust in God, that trust in God, I would have a a supernatural spiritual strength. In him is everlasting strength. If only we would trust him. If only you would trust him for whenever you felt weak. You wouldn't feel as tired or you shouldn't always feel like giving up. Just simply trust in God. Let your faith mature in him. His strength is everlasting with no end. He can and he will do it for you. It's not a matter if if God can do it. It's when he'll do it. It's not if. It's when. And the key is for you to expect all the days of your life. The word of God says this. We all know this verse. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. But now, trust just regards everything is done. You tell a kid, I'm going to buy you this. He doesn't see it. He's hoping for it. It's the substance of things not hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But as his parent, he knows you're going to get it for him. Don't tell a smart kid something. They will always remember it. My niece remembers stuff when she was three. And she just does not forget anything. She hasn't pressed that purge button in her brain. I mean, my, my, my little buddy Giovanni, he remembers everything. Don't tell that boy you're going to pick him up because he will call you for a month. On February 23rd of 2008, you were supposed to pick me up. And so the point I'm getting at is that when you have that faith, you're hoping for it. But trust considers it done. Hope is for what has not yet happened. Trust is it's done. Amen? Now, Trust moves the promises into the present possession of a a Christian. Trust is necessary. Now, it takes what you hope for and commands it into fruition. Meaning, it commands it to bear fruit immediately. Faith is for baby Christians. Trust is when you mature in Christ. Amen? In order 
for things to work like this, you have to have a life of prayer, a life of faith, and a life of trust. Never losing your prayer or your faith because then your trust would collapse. God has quickly called us and is calling us to wait sometimes. And as your faith waits, your trust in God grows. Amen? Is this making sense? I'll repeat whatever I have to. Trust only grows in the chamber of prayer. Trust is not from your head, but it's from your heart. Why? When you speak, you might believe, but your heart makes all the decisions. See, when you say something like, um, I have faith in God to do this, but your actions are speaking louder than your words, and you're acting as if God cannot do it. You see, trust rests in the, in the, in the seat of decision in your mind. Understand this. Trust rests in the seat of decision, meaning wherever you make your decisions are, that's where trust should be. You can't trust faith there because sometimes faith will be in that seat of decision and it'll make you do things that look like you have faith, but when you're really scared for your life. I'll give you an example. You see, when you're struggling with your, with your marriage or something of that nature, uh, faith tells you sometimes uh, just believe God and then you make a decision to have a separation. When trust says, no, no, this is our home, we're going to stay here together. Trust considers things done. Faith is waiting for it all the time. Faith is for the baby Christian who needs to learn to wait. Trust is for the mature Christian who knows God is faithful no matter what. Daniel was caught up in this mess. Sometimes prayer will get you into that mess. Oh, but trusting God and in the prayers you offer up will find deliverance in everything you are facing. Daniel was praying for three times a day for just a few minutes and got into a whole world of trouble. I'd hate to find out if he was praying for hours what would have happened to him. Faith many times is too weak to obtain all of God has for you. And it's called to wait. And that wait is called trusting the Lord. You have to understand that you need to make everything in your life fall in line with your prayer life. Everything in your life should revolve around what you've prayed for. Why did Daniel only pray briefly but got such big results in his life? Your prayers are powerful when you trust God. James 5, 16. It says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Why? The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and defective. If you're spending all this time praying for the same thing, you have to question the power and the potency of your prayer. Prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Don't you want effective prayer? Don't you hate prayer? You know, I prayed about it and nothing happened. Either two things are happening. Three. Let's just say three. You don't have faith, you don't have trust, or you're not righteous. Because the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Somebody say amen. Power and effectiveness come from the righteous man's prayers. I desire to be powerful in God. I desire to be effective in God. So trust God with all your heart. We must constantly pray and with unwavering faith and trust that God will accomplish what we ask of him. Proverbs 15.8 The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright or the righteous please him. I don't know about you, but prayer is powerful and we should desire to be powerful. And not just powerful, but yet when trust is perfected, prayer is simply an outstretched arm waiting to receive from God. So the proverb said that 
He is pleased with my prayers. I want to be a God pleaser. I don't want to be a man pleaser. I want to please the Lord. The apostles at one point had to pray for a boy. And they went to go cast out this demon. And they could not do it. And they called on Jesus and he did it effortlessly. And they said, why could you do it and not us? He said, some things only come through prayer and fasting. Understand this. Their faith was there, but their trust failed God. Uh, the disciples had failed to cultivate their faith. Jesus said to them, oh, you faithless generation. Came to him and could not pray. He said, you are a faithless people. Why? Because they had no prayer. Why would he mention something if they already had it? He said, no, you have to have prayer and fasting. Obviously, they were not praying. Prayer leads to faith. Faith leads to trust. You get that point so far? Now, as I close this out, understand that you have to trust God completely. Daniel's prayers got him into a very dark place. And many times, you may feel as if your prayers do you no good and make things worse. Somebody say amen. But I came today to tell you just one thing. Trust God. He's going to see you through it. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're feeling, trust him. Unwavering, trust him. Undoubtedly, trust him. Consider it done. How many of you got something on your mind right now that you're needing God's help for? Right now, consider it done. Right now, it's done. Just say it, just say it right now. It's done. You got problems at home with your children? It's done. You got problems in your family? It's done. The prayers of a righteous man are powerful and defective. Somebody shout glory. glory. It may get dark and you feel like you're coming close to death. You even may feel as if God isn't with you or he has abandoned you, that he doesn't even care, but just trust God. We should be God pleasers in this place. Come on, stand with me. There is a need for effectual and powerful prayer. We should be praying for souls, revival, and to see God move. Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer. So I would challenge you to challenge yourselves just to be men of prayer. Just to be men of prayer. Come on. Lift your hands right now. Say, I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to have powerful, effective prayer. God, I desire to be a God pleaser in this household. I desire to be a prayer warrior. I desire to develop my faith, to in turn develop my trust in you, God. I want to mature as my Christianity goes forward, God. I don't want to be stuck as a constant baby Christian, Father God. And I would ask you now, as we have our hands outstretched, Father God, you would touch each and every one of us, God. You would have your way in our hearts, in our minds, in our, in our weak, God. That we would turn to prayer every step of the way. We would turn to prayer when an enemy comes in. He tries to defeat us. He tries to put a, a sense of no hope in our lives. God, that we would turn to prayer. Cry out to you for the prayers of a righteous man are effective, God. God, that we would trust in Jehovah. For his strength is everlasting. And God, that we would not waver if we trusted in you. Give us a hunger for prayer. Give us a hunger for prayer. That we would not neglect, God, the gathering of the saints in prayer. But that we would realize, God, that everything that we have is answered through prayer. Everything we face is solved by prayer. Everything we speak 
should be spoken through prayer. God, open our eyes. Open our eyes from the blindness that we may see you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, give somebody around you a hug. Tell them you love